Jesus and the storm. Now, I want to just give you an outline tonight, and I'm going to confess, this is not my outline. I love to listen to messages and preaching and read preaching, and several years ago, I read a message that this outline kind of blessed my heart, and I'm just going to share this outline with you tonight. It helped me tremendously, and through the years, I've remembered just a simple outline, something very simple here about this passage of Scripture, and so it's been an encouragement to me, and I'm going to give this to you tonight in hopes that it can be of help to you. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, if you are at home, take your Bibles and you can stand with me as we read together the uh, Word of God, just a portion out of the midst of this chapter. And uh, we always hear it at Valley Bible Baptist when we come to this time, I have you stand as we read together the Word of God. It's just something we've established as a tradition. We like doing that here in recognition and honor of God's Word. Uh, Matthew 14, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 22. We're going to pick up here uh, as we face a storm. Straightway, Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. Oh, precious passage of Scripture. I love the, the account here of Jesus and the storm, and this passage is the Lord is teaching and working with His disciples so patiently. Uh, join me this evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking God's help and direction and power tonight. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your precious Word. And Lord, thank You uh, that You know every need of our life, that You've given us a love letter. You know the things that that we go through, the things that we face. And Lord, you know the difficulties of this life. And you've expressed uh, many occasions that in this world we'll have tribulation and uh, difficult days that uh, are coming before us. And yet, Lord, you're aware of all of it. And you've given us encouragement and hope through your word. And I pray here tonight as we preach from this passage of Scripture that, Lord, you might give us something that would be of eternal value. And Lord, you know every heart of every listener. I pray, God, tonight, minister your word at the very point of need. Lord, we look unto you. We need you. We need your help tonight. We need your power. We need your guidance, your direction. We pray in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated. 
And uh, here tonight, as we look at this particular storm, we find uh, throughout the, the Word of God, there are, are storms in the Bible. Uh, we know in the Old Testament, for example, Jonah, and Jonah running from God, he's caught in the midst of a storm, and we know the story of the whale swallowing Jonah, and God using the storm in Jonah's life. Uh, we have in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, several storms. This is one of them. Uh, I want you to go back for just a moment to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and what we find is that storms are a part of this life. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24, uh, Jesus stated, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And we have here a wise man, and we have a foolish man. Uh, we find that the rains descended upon both of them. We find that the floods rose. We find that there was a storm in each of their lives. Every person will face storms. At some point, uh, there will be some heartache in your life. Disappointments, trials, discouragements, difficulties. Uh, you'll face loss at times. Maybe loss of possessions, loss of jobs, or even the loss of loved ones. And storms that come our way in life. Uh, Job in the Old Testament who knew what it was to face storms and difficulties made the statement, Man that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. How you respond in the storm is so very crucial. Uh, a preacher years ago said, don't ever waste a good storm, and we've shared that thought with you on several occasions through this coronavirus thing. Don't ever waste a good storm. Uh, the way that you react through the storm is going to determine what God is able to do through you. See, God wants to use the storm always for His good and always for your good. And we have the wonderful promise that we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those who are the called according to His purpose. God's more interested, as we've stated a number of times, He's more interested in your character than He is your comfort. He wants to make you and mold you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Word of God is, is filled with illustrations uh, of men and women that faced the difficulties of life. And because of the way they endured those difficulties, God was able to use them to an even greater extent. Uh, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and I often use him as an illustration, is that of Joseph. Joseph is sold into slavery by his own brothers, those that should have loved him. And then Joseph in slavery is falsely accused and placed into the prison house. It's very evident as you read the scripture that Joseph did not get bitter, he got better. Uh, the Lord gave Joseph the grace to have a forgiving heart and that difficulty molded the character of Joseph in such a way that he would be raised to a prominent position of leadership in Egypt and he would be the very tool then to preserve those brothers that sold him into slavery. Uh, 
I think of Daniel. Uh, Daniel, another, another of my favorite characters. And uh, Daniel, in the Word of God, was taken captive into a strange land and about 500 miles away from the place where he grew up. And he separated from his family and from friends. And Daniel, in that location, purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled. And he devoted himself wholly unto the Lord God. And because of the way that Daniel dealt with the storms, he became the tool to influence kings and kingdoms. Uh, I believe God used him in the salvation of Nebuchadnezzar and that of Darius and Cyrus. And uh, what a man of God Daniel became because of how Daniel handled and dealt with the storm. Uh, some of the greatest Christians that I've known in my life have been those that have been through the most difficult of days. And yet through those difficult days, they grew closer to the Lord Jesus. They became so Christ-like. That storm is designed by God for your good and for His good. Now, our world is facing a storm, and we've heard much of that, and we've said much of it, and really an unprecedented time in the history of the world, a unique and unusual circumstance that is placed before us, and uh, regardless as to what and why and how, uh, every one of us uh, in life has been changed. And uh, every one of us are sometimes in situations now uh, out of our control. We're given a set of circumstances really beyond us. Uh, there is no doubt that some through the storm may face some health issues. Uh, we talked some uh, with that uh, this past week that have uh, been very fearful about that possibility. Uh, many are dealing with economic issues. I uh, spoke to some that they've lost their jobs and uh, they've lost a source of income. And uh, many right now are seeing their retirement funds greatly reduced. And uh, several have expressed that now they're going to have to work a little bit longer and uh, things that they were counting upon have been taken away from them. A lot of you are dealing with loneliness and this social distancing and it's just reading an article and hearing some reports about some of the elderly and some of those in nursing homes that uh, given this set of circumstances have become uh, very lonely and uh, really a hearing of, of one report, some that are struggling with addictions and how through this time it's made that victory for them uh, a little more difficult than previously. And so we've been given a set of circumstances out of our control. How we respond, how we react is so very crucial, so important. Matthew chapter 14, Jesus and the star. Every born-again child of God is in Christ's school. You're in His college. You're being taught and trained and developed by the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we're going to join the disciples tonight on this boat out in the midst of the Sea of Galilee. And we're going to see some things, give you this little outlines, bless my heart through the years, and some things that are going to carry you through whatever you face. Now, I want you to begin with me, go back to Matthew chapter 14. And I want you to begin with me in verse number 22. In verse number 22, the Word of God reads, Matthew 14, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship 
and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. The first thing that we see is that he sent them. Earlier in Matthew chapter 14, this is a beautiful chapter, the disciples were used of God to feed the multitudes. We know that a crowd has gathered, and they've got no food. There's one boy with five loaves of bread and two little fishes. Jesus takes that little lunch of that little boy, and he separates that lunch and begins to tear that lunch and give that lunch unto the disciples who distribute that lunch unto the multitudes. And we know that that entire crowd was able to eat. What a miracle the disciples witnessed. And after all in that crowd had eaten, they were full. The Bible says they gathered together the leftovers, the remnants, and there were 12 baskets full. You can read about that in verses 13 through 21. It's one of my favorite miracles in the Bible. I like to preach on that miracle in vacation Bible school and tell about that little boy who gave his lunch to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now after that miracle, verse 22 tells us, and straightway, immediately, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. You'll find biblically and often in our lives that storms will come after a great blessing. I've often pictured in my mind the disciples as they get on that, that boat on the Sea of Galilee. They're on cloud nine. They're excited. They've just witnessed this great miracle. They've distributed to the multitudes that little boy's lunch and everybody was full. I can just imagine uh, Peter as he would say to John on that boat, said, wow, do, do you believe what we just experienced? And, uh, we just witnessed a miracle. We've witnessed a Jesus as he's fed this crowd. And isn't that exciting? Isn't that a blessing? And as they're talking about what Jesus has just done, the winds begin to blow, and the waves begin to roll, and the storm rises without warning out on that sea. See, many times after God does something special, a storm follows. Uh, we preached recently about Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul was taken up to the third heaven, and he experienced things that most are, many are, we will never experience in our life. And immediately after experiencing that, uh, the Lord allowed a thorn in Paul's flesh. And Paul besought the Lord for the removal of that thorn. And, and the Lord said, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. See, storms will often come after God does a mighty work. But I want you to go toward the end of Matthew chapter 14. You're going to find that sometimes storms will arise before the mighty works of God, but sometimes storms will arise after the mighty works of God, uh, both ways. Now notice here in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 34. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men in that place had, had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might not only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Uh, I witness here and, and as the disciples, uh, they were on that boat with the Lord Jesus and on that boat and in the midst of the storm, they come through that storm and now they witness another mighty miracle. The storm was sandwiched by the miracle of feeding the multitudes and now the miracle of healing the sick. 
And I've witnessed that at Valley Bible Baptist on a number of occasions. It seems so many times before God does something special, uh, there's a difficulty that we face, a storm that we endure. Now it was Jesus, back in chapter 14, it was Jesus that sent the disciples into that storm. In verse 22, again, straightway, Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship. I want you to know tonight that that storm did not take Jesus by surprise. He knew exactly what He was doing. He knew when He put them on that boat, He knew that the storm was coming. They were in His will. They were right where He told them to be. They were doing what He told them to do. Sometimes in the midst of a difficulty, Satan will deceive us in this area. And, and uh, here we, we forget that God is in control, but it was the Lord that sent them. Your storm is not an accident. Job, uh, he was a godly man. He could worship God in the midst of his storm because he knew that God was in total control. And I want you to know tonight that God is in total control. That God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in your life. He knows what he's doing in America. He knows what he's doing in our world. And this is not by accident. And I believe with all of my heart tonight that history is his story and that my God is God, that my God reigns, that my God is always in charge, always in control. He sent them. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 23. The Bible says, and when he had sent the multitudes away, notice this, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. He sent them, but he prayed for them. See, while they battled the storm, you get the picture, Jesus was on the mountain praying for them. And I can just imagine in my heart and my mind, and here's Jesus on the mountain. Here are the disciples on the sea in that boat in the midst of the storm. And there's Jesus seeing them and watching them and praying for them on that mountain. He could see them tossed to and fro. He felt for them and he prayed for them. This will encourage you if you can understand this principle. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I'd like you to go forward in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter number 1. Here we read about the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ever coming upon Easter Sunday, up from the grave he arose, death could not hold the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 1, after he's given directions to the disciples, in verse number 9, the Word of God reads, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, 
which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Uh, they witnessed as Jesus was taken into heaven away from their presence. I believe here tonight that Jesus is, we might say, on that mountain. He's in heaven by the right hand of the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ looks down from heaven upon us. And he sees the storms that we face. He, he knows what you're facing. And like the disciples, maybe he can see us rowing against the wind and bailing the water out. And I believe that he prays for us. He ever lives to make intercession for us. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now take your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. It's a great illustration of this intercessory prayer ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. This event takes place near the end of Christ's earthly ministry. Uh, if you'll look with me, Luke chapter 22 and verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, this is Peter, Behold, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as sweet. Notice verse 32, Jesus said to Peter, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And here the Lord Jesus Christ knew the heart of Peter. The Lord knew that Peter was about to face maybe the greatest trial and temptation of his life. And the Lord knew that in the midst of that trial, Peter would fail. We come on into the next part of, of Luke chapter 22 and we have, as I mentioned there, the, uh, the garden of, of Gethsemane and we have the Lord as he asks uh, the Father to remove from him this cup and he says, Father, not my will but thy will be done. And we know that that night uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed and he was taken captive and went through the kangaroo trial. We come to the end of chapter 22 and we see Peter three times, just as Jesus expressed, uh, telling that he did not know the Lord, denying the Lord, and even the third time cursing and saying, I do not know the Lord. You'll look in verse 60 of chapter 22. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. That was a difficult thing. How miserably Peter failed the Lord. 
For three and a half years, he's walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus was God, that Jesus loved him, and he had surrendered his life unto the Lord. But now, at the end of the Lord's life, and just before the crucifixion, Peter is denying the Lord. But remember, Jesus prayed for Peter. We're aboard the ship of life. We've been sent by the Lord into a storm. But Jesus is praying for us. He knows where He's taking us. And He's looking on, ever living, to make intercession for us. And I heard years ago somebody make this statement, and it's so true. He always gets His prayers answered. And so you remember that. He sent them. He prayed for them. And go back with me to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus, notice this, went unto them, walking on the sea. He came to them. The Bible tells us here, the fourth watch of the night. That would be sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. That would be the darkest hour of the night. It was in that darkest hour hour that Jesus came to them. They must have been rowing feverishly for their life, bailing water from that boat and feeling somewhat hopeless and fearless. And in the midst of that storm, here comes Jesus walking on the water. He knew their need and he did not leave them alone. Sometimes in the storm you may feel that He has forsaken you. In the storm you wonder where He is. Sometimes in the storm you feel alone. There are a lot of people right now feeling a little bit alone and needing some fellowship and longing for the time that we'll be able to come back here to this building and to Valley Bible Baptist Church and, and be able to shake hands again and, and be able just to have the fellowship one with another. And, and you feel alone at this time. And sometimes Satan might accuse you and state to you, if God really loves you, why would He allow this to happen to you? Jesus didn't send you out to abandon you. If you look for him in the storm, you'll often find him at that darkest hour walking to you on the water. And it's just when you need him the most. Yeah, in that dark hour. Next Sunday is going to be Resurrection Sunday. That was a dark hour. Uh, they took Jesus and they crucified him. They put him upon the cross. He was dead. There was no breath. There was no heartbeat. They took him from that cross and laid him in the tomb. That was a dark hour. That was a hopeless time. Uh, but up from the grave he arose. Death could not hold him. Death could not keep him. And that's what the resurrection is all about. And so often in that darkest hour he comes to us. So often in the hardest times of my life I found that his presence has been the most real. It's often in that dark hour that I've taken the Word of God and, and God has ministered to my heart. He's come to me in the darkness of that hour and ministered at the point of need. It's a wonderful promise in Scripture if we can grasp this. Children of Israel faced the wilderness journeys. God took them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. It's not long as they arrive in the wilderness, there's no water. And they griped and they murmured and they complained. 
And then not long after God provided the water, there's no food. And, and they griped and they murmured and they complained. And time after time they griped and they murmured and they complained because they forgot that he was there with them. They forgot that it was he that was guiding them. They forgot about the pillar of, of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day and the very presence of God in their midst. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. He's promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7, we read, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Some of you tonight are carrying a heavy toe sack, a sack full of burdens. There are burdens that are bigger than you. You cannot carry those burdens alone. Uh, some of you are aboard that boat of life and you're rowing feverishly in the storm. There are some of you that are taking that bucket and you're bailing the water out. And some of you tonight are, are having a broken heart and some things that you're dealing with. And I tell you here tonight that he'll come to you if you look to him. He's not left you or forsaken you. He came to them. And then I want you to notice in verses 26 and 27 that he comforted them. In verse 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried for fear. What would you do? What would you think? They didn't believe in ghosts, but they saw what they thought was a ghost. It brought fear to their hearts. Verse number 27, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Can you imagine the comfort of those words? Don't be afraid. It's me. It's I. Be not afraid. The Lord's been so patient with me. If you're honest tonight, He's been patient with you. I love Psalm 103. Let me just read a few verses if you want to join me. Psalm 103. Verse number 8, we read the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. That's how so often the Lord has dealt in my life. There have been times since I've been saved that I have miserably failed. Yet he's picked me up and dusted me off, kind of like that little child that's just learning to walk. There have been times that my faith was weak. There have been times where my heart was filled with fear and doubt, where my life was in turmoil. If it would have been up to me, I would have thrown me away. But he didn't throw me away. Uh, times that he simply reached down in the depths of my need and he comforted my heart. And if you look for the Lord, He'll give you that comfort that only He can give in this time of need. We read on in Matthew chapter 14. As He comforted them, then He taught them some important lessons that the Lord taught the disciples. And, and I believe with all of my heart, uh, Jesus is in the teaching business. If you're saved tonight, 
Uh, He's teaching you. You're in his school. He's molding you to the image and character of Christ. And he often uses the difficulties of your life. He uses the heartbreaks and the heartaches to teach you these important lessons. So look at verse number 28. Here's a lesson we might say in humility. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I like Peter. He was the bold one. He took a great step of faith. He walked on water. And he said, come. You'll notice that Peter did not step out of the boat until the Lord told him, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. You see, Peter took this step of faith, and he began to walk on the water, but soon got his eyes off of the Lord, and possibly on himself. I I know there are times, and and we we do this, and we have to say this, and and maybe we experience a time like this of Peter, and, and suddenly think, wow, I'm something. I'm better than these other guys. They're not on the water. Look what I'm doing. And then we get our eyes off of the Lord. We put our eyes on the storm, on the circumstances. And like Peter, we began to sink. Again, read verse number 30. When he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Now, that's not his salvation. I believe Peter was already saved. I believe he was already secure in the Lord. Uh, But this is a time in his life where Peter is sinking and he cries out simply, Lord, save me. And the Lord reaches down and pulls him up. And I believe Jesus was teaching him. Peter, as long as your eyes are on me, you can do great things. But you get your eyes off of me and you're going to sink. In our selfish way and in ourself, Uh, We fail, we are nothing. And in John 15, Jesus said, Without me, ye can do nothing. And oh, how we need to learn that in our churches and in our ministries. And I'm just wondering if across America, God has not allowed a storm to teach us that in ourselves we are nothing. And that we must depend upon the power of God and the touch of God to accomplish the work of God. We can have our programs, but they've been taken away from us. And we can have our services and our plans, but that's been taken away from us for a time. And we can seek to do things our way, but the Lord has allowed a time where we just have to be still and know that He is God. And so through this time, the Lord teaches us, oh, how we need Him how we need His blessings, how we need His touch. He shows us our weakness sometimes, our frailty uh, to deal with our pride. There's a lesson in humility. Uh, Read on, again, verse number 30. There's a lesson in faith. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me, verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth His hand and caught him, And said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? See, true faith is really just getting our eyes upon the Lord. It was when Peter looked to Christ that he walked on the water. It's when Peter looked to the storm and to himself that he sank in unbelief. Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter of the Bible. Men and women and boys and girls that accomplish great things by faith. And then we go to Hebrews chapter 12. And the Bible says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Our eyes on Jesus, a lesson in faith. See, Jesus rebuked Peter's unbelief. He's teaching 
a lesson. You can trust Him in the storm. And if you put your eyes upon Him in the storm, you can by faith do great things for God even in the midst of the storm. I, I shared recently in a message that God has, has stirred my heart, again, Valley Bible Baptist Church, and, and we've got a goal of planting churches over northern New Mexico and southern Colorado, and, and what a great need to see a new Bible belt raised up right here in northern New Mexico, and, and I believe God can do that, and this vision has been stirred up in my heart uh, through this time. But we can't do it without the Lord. So often, it's the sin of pride or it's the sin of unbelief that God must deal with in our lives. And so He uses the storm to teach us. So Jesus taught them. Now let's go back to Matthew 14 and verse number 22. In verse 22, in Jesus, or in straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples, to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Where did Jesus send them? He sent them to the other side. Now let's go to verse number 32. Where did he take them? He took them to the other side. In verse number 32, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Now can you imagine this? The storm wasn't too big for him. Once the lesson was learned, uh, immediately as Jesus got aboard that boat with the disciples, the storm or the wind ceased. I would picture in my heart and mind that this sea became like glass. Verse 33, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. You see, as the Lord worked this mighty miracle, they recognized this is none other but the Son of God. This is Jesus. This is Messiah. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this miracle stirred their hearts, and they worshiped the Lord, and we need to worship the Lord for who He is. But notice verse 34. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. You see, he carried them to where they were going. He sent them, but he got them to where he sent them. I'll say again tonight, God always knows what is best. Sometimes he, he calms a storm, and after the lesson, uh, there's the word peace be still, and he gets on the boat, and the sea is calm. And God could do that in America if he so desired. There's an account in 2 Samuel chapter 24 where 70,000 died of a pestilence in the land of Judah. After three days of sickness and destruction, uh, then David prayed and immediately God removed that pestilence. And God's able to do that. I believe in a God that created this world out of nothing. And this God spoke this world into being. Sometimes He takes us around the storm. It was a previous time in my life God put it upon my heart to resign a position. A little did I know, he, he looked ahead and he saw a storm that was brewing, that was coming, and he took me out of that storm and around that storm, and I'm grateful for that. And sometimes he rides through the storm with us. Uh, he could stop it at any time, but sometimes he chooses to allow it and take us through it uh, to get us to the other side, teaching us the lessons that he wants us to grow in. Uh, my children have been working on a remodeling project. I had the opportunity this last week to, to go and view that remodeling project. 
In the midst of that project, walls are torn down. Wires are hanging. Rubble is laying around. Tools are scattered. And to a visitor, it may seem hopeless. But to a skilled craftsman, they understand where they're going. They know what they want to accomplish. See, that's what God is doing in our life. I believe across this world, a couple of things are, are happening. I believe, number one, God is warning the lost world of coming days of destruction. And I've said this many times, what we're experiencing now is nothing compared to what it will be like in the days of the tribulation. And I believe the next major event is, is the Lord Jesus Christ calling His children up to heaven with Him. And then destruction coming upon this world. And I believe God is giving an opportunity of repentance, an opportunity for a lost world to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe God is also working to remodel the hearts and lives of Christians. When I got saved in junior high, I got saved. The Lord came into my heart and my life. He forgave my sin past present and future. He secured my salvation. He wrote my name in heaven. He's given me a promise of eternal life and that he would never take that away. I, I was saved back in junior high, but the Lord from that time has been working a remodel project in my life. There are some times that the wires are hanging loose and sometimes the rubble is all about. But in the midst of this, the Lord is using these storms to tear apart the broken things and mold us to the character and image of Jesus. But He's got a plan and He's got a purpose. It can look messy for a time, but He knows what He's doing and He has a finished project in mind. So I can say to those of you that know Christ as your Savior tonight, the Lord, is in total control. You can remember this outline. It's helped me through the years. He sends us. He prays for us. He comes to us. He comforts us. He teaches us. And He carries us to the other side. You see, if you're saved, you're on the winning side. You're on the victory team. And I've read the end of the story. I know how it's going to come out. And I'm so grateful I'm on the right team tonight because I know Christ as my Savior. Wherever you are tonight, I'd like you to do this. If you'll bow your heads with me and let us go to the Lord in prayer. It may be that the Lord, through this storm, is showing you a need in your life. It may be that tonight through this storm, the Lord has revealed the lostness of your heart. And here tonight... I would challenge you if that's you. There's not peace about your eternal destiny. Uh, where you are right now, you can turn to the Lord. What must I do to be saved, the jailer said to Paul. Paul responded, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Uh, that faith that the Lord was speaking of was faith and repentance mingled together, turning unto the Lord, turning away from self, and believing wholeheartedly of what Jesus did for you upon the cross of Calvary. As a sinner, admit you cannot save yourself and by faith turn to Jesus alone. Maybe you know that you're saved. The Lord in your life is doing a work right now. He knows where you are. He sees you rowing that boat. He knows the fear that you face.
why don't you turn to him tonight? What time I am afraid, as the psalmist said, I will trust in thee. Tonight, simply look unto the Lord. Thank him for the storm. Thank him for the teachings in your life. Thank him for being on that boat with you. Father, tonight...